before I start my secular morality, secular ethics episode, I want to say that I think that the crime globe um, has caused many people in the DMV, DC, Virginia area to be desensitized to Adolf, Marcus Haynes, Jawbreaker, Bay, Jim Jim, Columbus, Lil Nut Daniels, Gary Terrell, Brandon, Blind, Dion, DC dude named Michael Jackson, um, from the Trinidad section in Northeast DC, uh, Cliff, Cobb, um, Anthony Fields, Roy Cobb, and the Trinidad mob. As well as the DC Police Academy. I think that the Crime Globe has desensitized many in the DC, Maryland, Virginia, even to um, even to many others, such as Kevin Gray, Rodney L. More. I see why the DC Police Chief Charles H. Rams and the U.S. Attorney Road. FBI officials had uh, difficult times within their tenure because of. Uh, the mayhem that the drug world brought and still brings. I would say it's sad what happened to Anthony Lee Dent. You know, was shot allegedly over a drug debt in Southeast Washington, D.C. It was so bad that, according to the Washington Post, uh, Ricardo, e. Bale, Ricardo E. Bailey was believed to be cooperating with the police. That's why the Safe Street Task Force, which comprised DC police detectives and FBI agents, gathered evidence through surveillance and interviews. A suspected gang member's associates alleged indictments in the U.S. District Court. And the drug world in the DMV area sensitized many people. Maurice Andrews, Brian Bostic, Frank Howard, Roy Johnson, Derek Moore, Rodney Moore's brother, Wilford, Oliver, John Raymond, and Robson, Ken Simmons, Omar with uh, Jermaine and Jermaine and Dick. I really do feel for U.S. District Judge Royce Lambert as a result. The March 1999 killing of Jane Herrera who was a Guatemalan immigrant, worked at an auto body shop in, shop in Colonial Beach, uh, Virginia. Uh, his boss was the intended target, prosecutor said, when the man, when the hitman later discovered he had shot the wrong man, he allegedly returned on to shoot at another wrong man. Lenward Big Boy Gray. Who was acquitted in 1979 of charges that he directed a $30 million international heroin smuggling ring, Lenward Gray's victim tax evasion. So Kevin Gray, the, the accused DC drug kingpin, um, is Lenward's big boy. 
this is saying these names because a lot of people have been taught you shouldn't be saying names in public about criminals and like we need to not to glorify but nothing they did should ever be kept a secret because organized crime should never be a secret I hate trauma secrets organized crime is one of those trauma secrets um, a lot of organized crime is swept under the rug and a lot of organized crime that's actually out there, people still try to sweep it under the rug. And I, I'm not doing that. I'm not because it, it's causing people's lives. Orleans Place and Hanover Place, DC were not too far from the are not too far from the capital and Still, problems were caused in terms of drug dealing. That's why, you know, like Sean Teflon, Sean Branch, and Ears to Christ, I'm glad they're speaking out against um, what happens in these organized crime streets in DC. I'm almost finished with dog that's trying to bark. It's a sex bark and I'll secular morality, secular ethics. But I'm, I'm just calling it all out at this point. This is now, I'm not going to be quiet. I had to think of this. You know, it really, I had to think of this because it really had me distraught. It's all the, like you had Maurice Peanut King, you had little Melvin Williams, you had, um, Anthony Ayani Jones. Um, and that world. And then you have um, Baltimore Street Gangs, too. Then you have Linwood Rudy Williams. From Baltimore. I'm only calling out the DC and you know I'm only calling out the DMV drug business, but not even business, that's a soft infection business. Um Well, I'm calling out the DMV crime world because that's the one I was most familiar with. So then you got people like Rick B. Dukes, Panama, Kevin Fuller, Jimmy Howard, Thomas Jones, also known as Cuda, Eugene Link, Kyle Hay, Fred Primus, Keith Smith, Philip Washington, Ronald White, also known as Ron, and Eric Wilson, also known as Ian Remy. Stuff has to be called out, not to, not to just say, yeah, I know the names of, no, we need to be sensitized to our identities, we need to be sensitized to each other, we need to be sensitized to people, because the fact that um, we haven't as a society, it's like, no, 
they didn't have to turn out like that. They didn't have to turn out foul and vile at all. And that's what pisses me off. Compassionately speaking. That's what happened to Khalil Shahid. Broken hearted, you know. Because what does vile mean? Um, extremely unpleasant, morally bad, and wicked. So I'm here to tell people that organized crime is also foul. Foul means offensive to the senses, especially to have a disgusting smell or taste of being unpleasant and soiled, very disagreeable or unpleasant, wicked or immoral, of language obscene or, or profane, uh, done, done contrary to the rules of life, uh, clogged or choked with entangled, defaced by corrections, wet and stormy, crusted with algae, barnacles of the marine growth, you know, Containing a charge of noxious matter polluted. All those definitions fit the spirit of organized crime quite well. Um, Especially Melvin Butler, a man who helped flood this city with cocaine that contributed to the waves of violence in the late 1980s. Mm. There's more I'm going to say. So, I have much respect for the go-go bands in DC like Rare Essence, Pleasure, The Young Northeast Blues, and Precise. Um, I have much respect for um, the memory of Gerald Papa Two Mitchell. Or Papa the Second. Um, You know, some people going back to their old neighborhoods consistently it's a struggle for them because they feel like I don't want to be seen as uppity, but I want to be safe. And some people feel like, but um, I want to go back to my neighborhoods. And some of those people end up surviving, and some actually get murdered. It does happen even in the DMV area. It's no joke. Um, that's not something to laugh about because there's nothing funny about it. There's no hilarity to it. Not humorous at all. And, uh,
Tiger didn't have to live like he did. silent a lot of time that's so because I'm just deeply thinking about what I'm saying what has happened in our world it's devastating there's more I'm gonna say for sure Now, according to what happened to Shelton, Shorty Pop, walking Dustin Blow Pop, this is how he was slain. Less than a year after murdering Denencio, Benson made a guy from Brooklyn who was a king. He, he was a kingpin who he was slain in Washington, D.C. Um, Shelton himself was killed in an unrelated incident. A man armed with an AK-47 walked up to walked up to Shorty outside of a nightclub called Classics in Andrews Air Force Base shot him in the face point blank. There was talk bubbling which implied that his assassination was connected to previous slamming and rival drugs. Organized crime is vile. Organized crime is extremely unpleasant. Sorry about that. That was a YouTube video. Let me get back to what I'm saying. Organized crime is vile. Organized crime is extremely unpleasant. Organized crime is foul, nasty, unpleasant, bad, strongly disagreeable, horrid, horrible, terrible, dreadful, abominable, atrocious, offensive, obnoxious, odious, unsavory, repulsive, off-putting, repellent, revolting, repugnant, disgusting, Distasteful, disdainful, loathsome, hateful, nauseating, sickening, base, low, mean, wretched, rude, crude, obscene, profane, socially offensive, wretched, disgraceful, appalling, unpleasantly shocking, ugly, vulgar, sorry, shabby, shameful, dishonorable, Execrable, heinous, abhorrent, deplorable, monstrous, wicked, evil, dark, dirty, vicious, iniquitous, sinful, corrupt, sordid, depraved, perverted, debased, reprobate, degenerate, debauched, dissolute, uh, contemptible, despicable, reprehensible, diabolical, diabolic, devilish, fiendish, hellish, damnable, Notes, noisome, scurvy, disgustful, loathly, egregious, and flagitious. It has no true worth and no true value. It's roguish, it's unprincipled, it's underhanded, it's malfeasant, um, it's cruel, it's murderous, it's barbarous. It's a barbarity, it's fiendish, it's villainous, it's a monstrosity, it's rotten, it's nefarious, it's reprehensible.
It's characterized by tragic and disastrous events causing despair and pessimism. It's tragic, disastrous, calamitous, catastrophic, cataclysmic, ruinous, devastating, fatal, fateful, uh, woeful, grievous, lamentable, miserable, dire, unfortunate, awful, terrible, direful, and again, wretched. also gruesome, vomitous, etid, rancid, malodorous, malodorous, gut churning, sick making, filthy, mucky, grimy, grubby, stained, dirt encrusted, muddy, muddy, unclean, unwashed, squalid, Soiled, sullied, scummy, crummy, cruddy, frightful, unappetizing, palatable, uninviting, stomach-turning, evil-smelling, vile-smelling, objectionable, odious, stinking, smelly, ghastly, grotty, icky, yucky, putrid, funky, Defiled, decaying, putrefied, rotten, besmirched, feculent, fragrant, flagrant, vile, detestable, and gross. Those are all the thoughts, rest of us have on organized crime, and in closing the organized crime part, then I'll get to the sex part, then I'll finish with the secular ethics, secular morality. Um, in this, in the DC gang culture I was supposed to grow up in, I knew pre-teenage and teenaged millionaires. I knew men and women millionaires. I knew boys and girls who make millions of dollars all in the DC street gang culture. And there's more that I have to say. In the DC gang culture, to be quite honest, that there was pickpocket money laundering, commercial burglary, counterfeiting, and forgery schemes. A lot of disparaging, a lot of threats, a lot of taunting, a lot of harassing, a lot of intimidating, a lot of alarms, a lot of evil influence, a lot of gang signals, gang signs, a lot of graffiti, um, a lot of colors, graffiti tags, hand signals, gangster rap type hoodies, jewelry, hairstyles, fingernails, slogans, signs, flags, secret greetings, slurs, co-words, group specific symbols associated with gangs, common beliefs, rituals, and mythologies defined to differentiate themselves from groups and gangs. Um, Members of criminal gangs are jumped in by going through a process of initiation or having to prove their loyalty and right to belong. Um, to prove their loyalty and right to belong by committing certain acts, usually death or violence. 
tactics is a common where a common identifier violence committing that ethnic intimidation yeah recklessly endangering endangering other people harassment stalking criminal mischief terrorist acts I remember seeing those things and um the DC street gang culture and um And the DC gang street culture, like the Italian mafia, they too had arson, assault, bribery, counterfeiting, drug trafficking, extortion, fencing, fraud, illegal gambling, loan shocking, money laundering, murder, pornography, prostitution, racketeering, robbery, smuggling, death, weapons, trafficking, the bootlegging of alcohol, the bootlegging of tobacco smoking products. They had their own buffet flats. Uh, speakeasies and um, they had their own red, illegal red light districts they had their own uh, sin city if you will and um, they would even bootleg clothes they would bootleg DVDs, albums, CDs, tapes, magazines. They would just bootleg all types of media. And so that's officially the end of all the cr- organized crime stories. There's no more detail because I've told them all. I look forward to being a future member of the Avian Hall of Fame. The Avian Adult Video News Hall of Fame has honored people that work in the adult entertainment industry since 1995. The individuals inducted to the Avian Hall of Fame have made significant contributions to the adult industry and have had a minimum of 10 years in the industry for induction. There are several branches of the Avian Hall of Fame. The former and directors entered the original Avian Digital Base Hall of Fame. That'll be me in the future. The founders branch is for those who found industry pioneering companies. That'll be me in the future. Internet founders branch is for those who built the online sector of industry. That'll be me in the future. The pleasure products branch is for manufacturers, distributors, and retailers of sex toys. That'll be me in the future. The executive branch is for key members of the industry who work behind the scenes in corporate offices or, or sales and other capacities, for example, in sales, marketing, and education. And again, that will be me in the future. Reporting a future member of the XRCO Hall of Fame. The XRCO Hall of Fame list is well known in adult entertainment works and workers. The list is managed by X-rated critic organization and inducted Emmy during the XRCO Awards. The first XRCO Awards was present, were presented in Hollywood on February 14, 1985. Inductees have been industry members for at least 10 years. So, I members are listed in the order they were inducted with the year they were inducted and is known. So, in the future, I will be inducted as an actor or director. Uh, auxiliary, ex, auxiliary fields, fifth estate, um, film creator, film pioneer, films with year of release, um, Paladin Awards, this unique special achievement award is given periodically by the XRCO to acknowledge companies which have gone to extra distance, but have gone to extra distance for the adult film industry, that would be me. The special awards, that'll be me. And <laughs> the Outlaws of Porn, that will be me. And the XRCO's Members Choice, that will be me. I'll be winning all these awards in the future. And I look forward to seeing um, the actresses get inducted along with me in the future. Now I just completed the sex part. Um, 
I look forward to winning like the X Case Awards, Alien Awards, Oscars of Porn, going to all the expos and all the adult entertainment industry events of the prestigious kind and those considered non-prestigious. I'm attending them all. Alright. Now that I've completed the organized current part and the sex part, let's get to the religion part. But before I conclude with everyone about the sex part, I look forward to having sex relationships with celebrities, current adult film stars, semi-retired adult film stars, and retired adult film stars on camera and off camera, and <laughs> uh. Look forward to having sex relationships with current sex workers and my retired sex workers. Retired sex workers. And all of these people are adults. And it's all enthusiastically consensual, all within law and reason. So, I want to get back to our last term just a little bit. What happened to Tupac, the rapper, and Notorious B.I.G., the rapper, um, I saw those things happening in the, my childhood quite often. The beat culture is violent and murderous. And it's quite fearsome, troublesome, worrisome, bothersome, and burdensome. I went to five magazine type of parties when I was a child. The, you know, the infamous five party that's 97. I went to uh, organized crime parties that were just like that particular party. So, not to dishonor Tupac, not to dishonor Notorious B.I.G. Not to dishonor their fans, their relatives, um, not to dishonor the late Athena Shakur, not to dishonor hip hop, not to dishonor anyone who loves them. I'm just saying that organized crime is decrepit. It's it spiritually handicaps people, it creates spiritually influence, and it causes people to be spiritually mute, spiritually deaf, spiritually blind, spiritually crippled. And I'm not making fun of people with disabilities when I say what I'm saying. What I want it to be understood is it causes people be spiritually disabled, and again, I'm not disparaging people disabilities. What I'm saying is, is that it can cause hatred and chaos to reign supreme over love and peace in the streets. So, without further ado, let's get to the secular ethics of secular morality. So, I value secular ethics. Secular ethics is a branch of moral philosophy in which ethics are based solely on human faculties such as logic, empathy, reason, and moral intuition. And it also includes humanism, secularism, and uh, free thinking. And I do have a commitment to nonviolence whenever I am able to apply it. Um, there's a difference between that and um, times for self-defense and defending people when it's absolutely appropriate. Um, and I also live by 
what is called secular morality. Um, for example, I think that I am for free thought. I'm a free thought person. Free thought is a philosophical viewpoint that holds that opinions should be formed on the basis of science, logic, and reason. It should not be influenced by authority, tradition, and other dogmas. What that means for me is that a lot of authority, tradition, and dogmas tend to be slaveholding versus the types that are actually meant to draw people to um, empathetic love. As a free thinker, I strive to build my opinions on the basis of fact, scientific inquiry, and logical principles independent of any logical fallacies or intellectually limiting effects of authority, confirmation bias, cognitive bias, uh, conventional wisdom, popular culture, prejudice, sectarianism, tradition, urban legend, or other dogmas. Again, these these tend to be slaveholding, not the types that actually draw uh, people to again empathetic love. Um, I'm also into uh. I'm also into these things as well that I'm about to share with you. I've I've met atheist agnostic who are morally excellent people, so I've learned that through meeting them in my um, adolescence, childhood, and what have you, that excellent morality does not require religious tenets thanks to my being beautifully exposed to them. And because I was beautifully exposed to them, I've learned that excellent morality does not rely on religion. Um, and through them, I learned that slaveholding religion is a poor moral guide. There's a difference between slaveholding religion and people who... Um, are unconventional with religion, but they're still good people. So there's distinctions that I have to make out of being discernible. So I think for for myself, um, I've met um, ages agnostics in childhood and in my adolescence. I've learned that. There are human beings that are capable of being ethical and moral without religion or God. When you meet certain people, your thoughts tend to enhance for the better. That's what happened to me. So, you know, I I am for the humanist life stance, which emphasizes the unique responsibility facing humanity and the ethical consequences of human uh, decisions. I think that secular humanism is the strongly held viewpoint that ideology um, must be thoroughly examined by each individual, not simply just quickly accept it or quickly reject it on faith. It has to you have to study it first and then come to uh, wise conclusions. Um, along with this, an essential part of secular humanism for me is a is my continually adapting search for truth, primarily through science and philosophy. And my secular humanism is the way that I, as human being, leads a euphoric and functional life. Um, I would say most people are innately good. Some make me think, could they be inherently evil or was it a choice? I'm still having that um, internal debate, which is a healthy internal debate, because it's like, does that make 
who who or what created them inherently evil or not you know what i mean and it's like oh that's very discomforting but it's healthy to explore and i don't i think humans are managers and caretakers of nature but i don't like to see humans as above nature or spiritual in the world dominating sense that that that's disheartening and um, I don't just I think to some extent I'm a consequentialist um, for me this is how I define it and as a, uh, for me, as a consequentialist, it means that I am sensitive to people making choices that result in consequences. So if we learn to make ethical choices, we have ethical consequences. If we make unethical choices, there are unethical consequences that happen to me. So that's my brand of consequentialism. It's not about um being it's not about being judgmental it's not about being hypocritical it's not about being um hot it's not about haughtiness at all to me it's about rightness or wrongness it's dependent upon the intentionality and the mental and the mental states that are tied together, and so I do think that the consequences of one's conduct is the most important basis for judgment about the rightness or wrongness of that conduct. Um, and to some extent, I. Um, I think that consequences of any actions do point us to what's right, what's wrong, as well as the gray areas. And I think that to some extent I am of utilitarianism because I do want to maximize healthy happiness and healthy well-being for all affected individuals. Um, so I'm an ethical hedonist. I do care about the crisis of global poverty, the ethics of raising animals for food, and the importance of avoiding the essential risks to humanity, social welfare, economics, economics. And I'm still learning the concept of animal rights. Um, I don't eat animals out of abuse or out of torture. Um, it's only the nutrients. Um, and I've always felt torn on the concept of eating animals um, because I do see animals as being however we've got the nutrients that humans tend to need and it comes from animals but it's like I'm not eating animals to abuse or hurt or maim it's like it's the nutrients but then I feel like am I causing animal um extinction by doing that so i've never felt completely comfortable with eating animals or any animal um and i've read the bible and i don't see animal rights being a thing like when i was in church when i was going to church building is a better way to put it i got familiar with PETA, the 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 ethical treatment of animals, let me actually say it correctly so I won't be offensive to them. They're called uh, PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, American Animals Rights Organization. And I started doing my research on animals. So I used to watch, I was, I was a big fan of Animal Planet and uh, Steve Irwin. I just love, I would watch that and I would try to find is there a defense for animal rights in the Bible? I didn't see it. So never at church, you know, they would feed 
me like shaking her fried chicken my taste buds were like yeah but my heart was like but god made these beans and i'm about to eat them so i don't i'm not hard on myself i don't i'm not mean towards myself at all but it is a very difficult thing i want to live but i want the animals to live but the animals have nutrients i need to live and gym rats eat fish jesus ate fish and church people said he was sinless but at the same time church people say god made animals so i always had this conundrum in my heart about is there a way i could get nutrients without eating the animals but then again I don't see any other way to get nutrients. And in terms of like muscle and protein to be toned, it's it's a tough subject. It's a gray area for me. It's like, you know, I hate animal cruelty, animal abuse, obviously. At the same time, I don't see in scripture where God made it possible for people to have nutrients without animal slaughter, animals being slain. And I've always felt like, why? I've always, I still question that. And I just, all this stuff is very difficult. I'm just telling you concepts that I was taught when I was a child, when I was in church buildings and watching animal shows and reading the Bible. In church, they never talked about animal rights. They never talked about animal injustices at all. So I've always felt like with buffets and um, is it holy what we're doing? Is it unholy? But it was never condemned. And so um, I do want to, in terms of utilitarianism, I, I am for. Uh, healthy benefits of healthy actions, healthy advantages of healthy actions, healthy pleasure, healthy good, healthy happiness, and the prevention of mischief and unhealthy pain and evil, unnecessary unhappiness. So I do have some utilitarianism in me, and I do have some consequentialism um, within me too. And I have a healthy ego, and I am a ethical egoism where we should act in our own self-interest but we can also act in the the interest of others it's like a it's it's like self-care mixed with caring for others you gotta have both so i'm i'm of ethical egoism and i am of rational egoism I think it is rational for people to act in their own self-interest. I think it's rational that people act in the interest of others. Again, self-care, caring for others, gotta have them together. I am of psychological egoism. You know, people can only act in their self-interest and they can act in the self-interest of others. The last time, self-care, others care, boom, mixture. I'm learning more about myself. This is amazing to me. And and so I have dealt with excellent morality outside of religious traditions. I have dealt with excellent morality inside of religious traditions. And I knew people, and I'm talking about certain types of church people I've met throughout my life and still have in my life in terms of personal relationships. Um, the authority, tradition, and dogmas for them are not dogmatic. It's more of they reinterpret the dogmas, the traditions, and the authority. They look at it more figuratively. They, they're not super literalist. They're like, well, there's a deeper way to look at it without being a tribalistic judgmentalism you know they they reinterpret it so it can fit more into what they consider 
um, based upon Bible readings, you know, loving God and God being a compassion. So I, I deal with, I tend to interact with believers who are willing to add more in-depth wisdom to what is being presented. And uh, for me, um, I also want to be honest about this. Those believers who derive from belief in supernatural revelation of guidance, source of ethics in many religions, um, they tend to, um, they don't approach, they tend not to approach religion in super traditional ways. They tend to be more uh, open-minded, more willing to look at things in a more expansive, more broadened horizon type of way. So more people can experience genuine love and genuine compassion. I don't like to put all believers in a box because you have a lot of believers, especially nowadays, they don't think like the norm because experience has helped them to continually um, love. They tend to want to work on loving, being better at loving uh, people that they've been taught to historically shun. So I'm seeing that more and more, especially type of church people I tend to be around um, in person or clubhouse. Um, and when we're around each other, we tend to, you know, it could be walking together or going out to eat, that, 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 that type of things. And... Um, I've met believe, I'm meeting more believers who understand that there are ethical systems that don't draw on the supernatural. And even though they draw on the supernatural for their their for the for their uh for the their ethical systems, I'm I don't get any type of dogmatism from them. And I feel like that is quite excellent quite marvelous and quite magnificent for me. Um, so I do live life of secular ethics, secular uh, morality, and um, I think about um, I think about the fact that for myself I am in I have some deontology I have some deontological ethics or deontology I do think that morality of action should be based on whether the action itself is right or wrong under a series of rules with a mixture of not excluding the consequences of the actions. So I think both are needed. And I'm a gray area thinker. I'm not a black and white thinker, okay? I just wanna make that clear. I am into um, pragmatic ethics. For me, that's more of you know, you do have science that plays a role, but it's more of, to me, it's it's other wordings that mean critical thinking. To me, pragmatic ethics is more of judging correctly, judging non-hypocritically, judging with integrity, judging with substance. And so that's what I'm also a virtue ethics as well. I think that it's important to judge with compassion, judge with empathy. Uh, 
judgment is not bad as long as you judge from an impartial square dealing perspective so well, I'm still learning and, and I do like the concept of I do like the concept of what is called um, I don't mind I don't mind naturalism as long as there can be hypotheses that can continue to um, help us understand what natural laws and forces are which operate in the universe. Now, I've met believers who say that supernatural laws and forces operate in the universe, but they tend to not have any dogmatism attached to it. Like, they're, they're open for them. They, they feel like the supernatural and the natural complement each other. They do not insult each other. Which is why, why this is just wow causing to me in a pleasant way to go. I'm not used to that perspective when it comes to church people, but they a lot of them have. I'm like, this is, this is quite fascinating. Um, and then I think about how for myself. I've always questioned whether God is good or not because of what happens in life and that's a great area for me because uh, I do know that a lot of people will say you should do what's right because it's right and, I, and I'm for that you should never do what's right purely 100% out of rewards or fear of punishment and I absolutely agree with that and I do know that there are plenty of faith-based people that I tend to be around that they don't serve Jesus because of the fear of hell and they don't serve Jesus just to get to heaven they're more of I truly believe in Jesus' teachings and Jesus' life and what he stood for and the more I understand Jesus the less dogmatic I am, and the more I grow in Christ-likeness, the more I tend to be more embracing of the great areas of life. That and and yes, I I I still encounter that. And again, it's just fascinating to me. Um, I would like to think of God as good, or you know, because who wants to think of God as bad, you know, but at the same time, there are things about life that I just can't explain, there are things about life that are unexplainable, um, there are things about life that inexplicably happen, so they are inexplicable parts of life in a way that cannot be explained or accounted for, so all these, all these concepts are gray areas. They really are. It's not that simple. Uh, I've struggled with it because, you know, abuse happens and all abuse is not stopped. All abuse is not prevented. At the same time, there are abuses that are prevented and stopped. So it's like, it's such a weighty concept. You know, why not intervene with all the abuses that happen? I don't have any answers for it um, because it's such a, a iffy fuzzy foggy hazy ambiguous scenery on that and so it's just like I just focus on loving people so I am of healthy skepticism but I am not of dogmatic skepticism. One means 
I grow correctly. I grow the direction I'm supposed to grow in. Dogmatic skepticism is you just want to argue all the time and make it seem like it's a friendly debate. No, it's not. You just want to you just want to be an asshole. You want to be a jackass. You want to be an asswife. You want to be an asscrack. And none of those negative character traits have anything to do with me. Um, so now that you pretty much know where I stand on... Um, I want to make... On religion, I want to say these two things. I don't, Cohabitation is only bad if... You're not a shacking up person, but you choose to do it. Okay, it's it's bad in that case because you're lying to yourself. But cohabitation can be good if that's if that truly works for you, doesn't cause you any problems. Then both you know shack up. In that case, it's cool. Now I want to talk about abortion. And I want to be very careful when I talk about it. Not all pro-life people think the same. Some no exceptions, some one exception or two exceptions or all exceptions or some or most exceptions. So when let's some pro-life people have history of abortion, so a lot of them say to themselves, hey, I have some exemptions when it comes to abortion for me. Some may say they don't. Some may say they have one, two, three, four, five, and the number goes on and so on. So a lot of pro-life people, from my, from me talking with them, they're not all monolithic. No human group is monolithic. No, no faith community is monolithic, and no secular community is monolithic either. The entire human diversity is not monolithic. The entire gender and sexual diversity is not monolithic. The entire diversity of people, of races, ethnicities, and all types of people, no one's monolithic, okay? But what I want to say is that if a pro-life person decided to get an abortion, they have to ask themselves, are, am I open to any exceptions, or at least an exception? Because I don't want pro-life people to feel like that be hypocritical. Um, I don't want them to feel like I gotta fit in. With, I'm like, no, don't make it about fitting in. Um, make the proper reproductive decisions of healthcare for yourself, because some people that I've met um, some people regret the abortions they get and they consider it bad and some people don't regret the abortions and get like it was good so it's a touchy subject and no one should be guilt tripped no one should be shamed blame gamed either because it's it, it, it should never to such hideousness at all and everyone should just be compassionately cared about and cared in terms of how we just treat one another because some things you only know what you know at the time and we should never fault ourselves for what we truly didn't know or truly didn't understand. So we shouldn't feel like we have to be um, experiencing metaphorical flamethrowers, if you will. So, and, and always be true to yourself in terms of all the views that you have on all topics so you can keep yourself from being hypocritical. Um, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm open to the science of morality, ethical naturalism, grounded morality, and rational empirical consideration of the natural world. I think that's pretty cool. 
And I'm I'm I am meeting believers who are not offended by science and morality. They're like, hey, I just want you to live a decent life and I want you to live a life of substantive character. I think about in my own heart that as I conclude this episode I just want to say I'm so grateful that I was able to talk about these things. Now, starting tomorrow, I'm gonna talk about Elizabeth Warren's plans and how, to me, they're the best plans. So I'll start those episodes starting uh, tomorrow. So, I wanna conclude this episode by saying I let I'm letting all Antonio grow, flow, and go on to grow and grow on to go.